It was almost three months ago I started digesting, meditating, studying, reflecting Isaiah 40. So I'm three months into it. After having many Bible study with the Tuesday night men, after already having done one podcast with my son-in-law, David Gillette. So uh, you better pray for the length of this sermon. <laughs> you know, it could just keep on going. And I just want to begin, I was asking the Lord, how do you want me to begin this? He changed it three times. Uh, but I want to begin with the last word he gave me. And first thing I want to say is what it says in the first verse of Isaiah 40. Comfort ye. Comfort ye. My people. If there's one thing that I'm clear about as to God's will is that he wants you to be comforted. And every one of you needs it. Every one of you needs it. Now, I just want to introduce it this way. I hadn't planned on introducing it this way, but we don't want to seek God's comfort only for ourselves. Amen? When God comforts us, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God of all comfort. What does he do? He comforts us in all our affliction. For what purpose? To what end? That we may be able to comfort others. So take good, new, uh, good notes in your suffering. Take good notes in your affliction. Take good notes in your trials and your problems and your pressures and your difficulties. Because as God shows his power and his greatness in your life, and you speak to others about it, you won't just be speaking words only. The Bible says the gospel of Jesus Christ comes not in word only, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit's supernatural workings. I'm telling you, out of your innermost being, every one of us, we're not talking about some of us, God doesn't want the infilling of the Holy Spirit to be a reservoir where we collect it for ourselves. Out of, Jesus said this, out of your innermost being will flow rivers. It's not just that God's able to comfort you. You can speak to others of the power of how sufficient God is to comfort them. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And it's like that salesman down there at Toyota. He said, I hope you don't get bored in your retirement. I said, never happen. It'll never happen. Everywhere I look, there's people that's got needs. There's people that's got problems. There's people that's got difficulties. And I serve an all-sufficient God, an all-sufficient Savior. And what he's done for one, he can do for all. Now, with that said, comfort ye. He didn't just say it once. He could have said it once. 
This is God speaking directly here. Comfort ye, saith your God. It's God speaking directly. Comfort ye, said it twice. Comfort ye, my people. It's definite. It's sure. It's certain. Don't question in every situation, in any situation of your life, that you're ever beyond the comfort of God. It's clearly God's will to comfort you. Now, we have impossible situations, and uh, there's two main points at the beginning of your outline. You might have noticed I left most of my points open-ended. Anybody notice that? (laughs) I didn't put my points on the latter part of the page because that gives me a little bit more flexibility here. I do want to cover the first two points, but I want to talk about impossible situations right now. Every one of us face impossible situations in life that only God can intervene in and bring the comfort that's needed so that when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you can lay your head down in peace. In peace, Psalms chapter 4. You can lay your head down in peace knowing that God is protecting you. God is directing you. God is taking care of you. Now, God gave a word to these folks here in Isaiah. They're in captivity. They've been in captivity for going on 38 years when this word was spoken. And all of a sudden they get this word. I'm going to bring you out. What? You know, how long has it been going on? Have you ever had a situation in your life that's going on for a long time? And you think like, when's it going to end? When's it going to end? Well, I want you to take good news because God does not waste any sorrow. He doesn't waste any affliction. He doesn't waste any trials. He will give you a ministry out of every trial he brings in your life when you find his comfort in it. Now, I want to quickly say the only way to find his comfort is directly through God himself. And let me just share a little bit here. God the Father comforts us, God the Son comforts us, and God the Holy Spirit comforts us. Wow! Praise be to God. I just quoted 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who comforts us. But Jesus talked about, before he went back to heaven, in John 14 to 17, he kept talking about, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm not leaving you by yourself. You think, you don't understand why I'm leaving. You don't understand the cross. You think the world's turning upside down. He said, look, I'm not only going to be with you as your comforter. I'm going to be in you. How much more comfort can you get to have the Son of God living within you? Amen? Now, when it talks about we have an advocate with the Father, we have an advocate with the Father. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He pleads our case. Whatever we got going on on planet Earth, he ever liveth to make intercession for you and for me. Amen. Amen. And amen. But that word advocate is the same word 
that Jesus used in John 14 for the Holy Spirit. It's the paraclete. It's translated advocate, but it's the paraclete. So God the Father is our comforter. God the Son is our comforter. And God the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And each one of them supernaturally can give us comfort as we need it in the situations of life. Now with that said, I want us to look at worship and comfort from God. Worship and comfort from God. Do you sometimes feel like you lose your spiritual focus? Do you sometimes grow weary in well-doing? Don't everybody raise your hand at once. Do you sometimes need to renew your spiritual orientation, your spiritual compass reading? Do you sometimes feel burdened in the struggle of it all, weighed down and discouraged? Do you sometimes become overwhelmed with the pressures and problems of life that seem to come from every direction? Well, Paul talked about it, didn't he? Listen, there is no temptation taking any man in this world, but such as is common to every man in this world. Don't ever be, um, woe is me, nobody's got the problems like I got. Amen. We've all got sorrows. We've all got afflictions. We've all got pressures. Listen, you fall into the devil's trap when you get into self-pity. Amen. You fall into the devil's trap and the devil's darkness. God, he's got comfort. He's got encouragement. He's got strength. Most of you probably know this chapter based on the last verse of this chapter. They that wait upon the Lord in worship... In praise, in thanksgiving, beholding who he is, beholding who he is, gazing upon his majesty, gazing upon his glory, gazing upon his sovereignty. You know, not even a little bird can fall to the ground without God being involved in what happens to that little bird. And if God takes such care for the little birds of the air, how much more does he take care for us made in his image and redeemed by his son's precious blood? Amen and amen. Now, we know we're supposed to change. For instance, rejoice in the Lord when things are going the way you think they ought to go and when your circumstances are all rosy and nice and neat. Is that what it says? What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always, and just in case you didn't get it, again I say, rejoice. Beloved, think it not strange because of some circumstance God's allowed. And it's heated up sometimes seven times hotter than any other circumstance you've ever experienced in your life. That's an impossible situation right there. Which, by the way, when it comes to impossible situations, you never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Never put a question mark where God has put a period. When Jesus said to his apostles, let us go to the other side, he didn't say halfway across, the boat's going to fill up with water, and we're going to seek in the midst of the circumstances out there on that sea. 
The Lord said, let us go. Where are we going to? We're going to the other side. Was there ever any doubt that they're going to sink out there on the sea? But they came to the Lord and they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Listen, when you got a word from God, depend on it. Rely on it. Believe it. Reckon it to be true in the trenches where you live. In the ditches where you fall. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. It's God's will to comfort you. Now, we know we should rejoice in everything. We know we should not think it's strange when some fiery dart comes our way. Sometimes heated up seven times hotter. And by the way, who's throwing these fiery darts? A lot of them. It's a test. It's a test. We cannot overcome the powers of darkness without applying the truth of what I'm talking about here. So you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say 2 Corinthians is the key. As we behold God, as we worship Him, we see the greatness of who He is. And God supernaturally is changing us. Since 2 Corinthians, the greatest thing you can do to, give, to bring the reality of joy and the reality of peace and the reality of comfort to your life is to worship God. And listen, all 31 verses of Isaiah will keep you going a long time. If you just read Isaiah 40 once a month for one year, I guarantee you, it will help you tremendously. I don't know. I, I come back to Isaiah 40. To me, it's like a personal spiritual retreat with God. You know how you go on a, a retreat at a, at a conference or a retreat center and you come back spiritually renewed? Listen, you just all you got to do is sit down and read Isaiah 40 with a heart of worship to God. Say, God, speak to me. God, show me. God, give me understanding. Help me see who you are. For instance, he says, all the nations of the world, all the nations of the world are a what? A drop in a bucket. In the very next couple of verses later, he says, all the nations of the world are nothing to me. Did you know God can put one up and take one down anytime he wants to? Promotion comes from God. Demotion also comes from God. Don't, you don't have to worry about people being taken down. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that lesson. He went out one day and he said, Is not this great Babylon? They're in Babylonian captivity here. Amen? Is this not great Babylon that who has built? He didn't not only give God any credit, how many people helped him build Babylon? Lots of people. You're talking about somebody being lifted up in pride and ego and arrogance. And so God, like it says in Isaiah 40, all flesh, you guys remember what was read, all flesh is grass. So what did God do with Nebuchadnezzar? Put him out to pasture. Put him out to pasture. 
And he got his sanity back when he said God does according to his will, both in heaven and on earth, and none can stay his hand. That's who we're beholding in Isaiah 40, the sovereignty of God, the majesty of God, the authority of God. So God changes us as we worship him. Second Corinthians, we all with unveiled face, New Testament approach, come boldly to the throne of God. Don't have to have any mediators. Come boldly to the throne of God to find grace to help and mercy in time of need. We all with unveiled face beholding in a mirror the glory of who our God is. And right there in that same verse, it says, while we're beholding him, what does he do? He changes us from one degree of glory to another because the more we become like our God, the more his glory can be seen, be manifest. Remember, all have sin. When sin comes in and, we, and, we're, and we're not rejoicing or we're, we're not believing and we, we have sin come in in unbelief, it, it's not just that we're sorrowing in our problems. We're detracting from the glory of God. We all have sin. And what happens when we sin? We come short of the glory of God. But what happens when we behold who he is and we keep thanking him and we keep praising him, we keep worshiping him? I tell you, God opens up the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing on you to not room enough to receive it. He changes us as we worship him. Now, number two, I want to talk about God's comfort and God's love. The second verse here talks about speak tenderly. That's the Schofield Bible. I think in the King James it says speak comfortably and literally in the Hebrew it says speak to the heart of my people speak to the heart of my people it's one thing to have the Bible in your head Quite another thing to have the Bible in your heart. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of any man, any person who loves God. What God's able to do to a person who loves him is beyond human comprehension. Don't ever think, what can I do compared to what somebody else can do? The Bible says that's foolish and unwise. God can work supernaturally through every person on planet Earth to do greater things than you ever imagined he could do through your life. Eternal fruitfulness, that your life is invested with eternal fruitfulness. Not just blessings in this world, but with eternal fruit. 
Lay up, where are we supposed to be laying up treasures? Lay up the treasures in heaven. You know, God says, I, me- I memorized this verse years ago when I first got saved. We're supposed to love God with all, love God with, love God with all our what? All our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and notice, all our mind. Once we get the heart right with God, the mind will be able to understand things we never could understand as far as the things of God. Can anybody say amen? I mean, it's one thing to have your doctrine on paper all neat and tidy. It's quite another thing to trust God in your heart in the situation of your life and praise him and thank him and rejoice in him and look for the ministry opportunities that God wants to give you through it. And I want to say, listen for the trumpet. Listen for the trumpet. When I was going through Isaiah, all of a sudden it stood out to me. It's right in the middle of Isaiah 40. He says, I want you to get up on the highest mountain you can get up on. I want you to shout from the highest tone of voice you can gather yourself to shout with. I want you to proclaim with authority, with boldness, with courage. The Lord is coming. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's coming. And this corruptible world will put on. What's this corruptible world? What's going to happen to this corruptible, all the corruption in this world? It's going to be turned into incorruption. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells perfect righteousness. Oh man, sound the trumpet in your life. Sound the trumpet. Don't worry about what's going on in the world politically, financially, socially. And now we got to be involved as civil, do our civil responsibilities. But I'm saying don't be weighed down with care. Don't be discouraged. Don't be despondent. Don't be overwhelmed. God's on his throne. He's reigning. He's ruling. God says, surely the wrath of men will praise me. And if it's not bringing, accomplishing my purposes and my plans, you know what it says in Psalms? I'll stop it. I'll stop. Listen for the trumpet. Because the Lord's coming back again. And there's going to be a trumpet sound. That's what I got out of that. Get up on that mountaintop. This is, not a, day. This is a day for gospel witness. This is a day for gospel witness. He said, get up on the top of the mountain and tell the good news. The world's got a lot of bad news. Bad news. Bad news. Let's proclaim with authority and boldness and courage the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we can't do that if we're not finding comfort in him. If we're not experiencing the peace that passes, passes what? All human understanding. So, Jesus said, if you love me, what will happen in your life? 
The first sermon I preached at Philadelphia College of Bible, I mean, not the first sermon I preached, but they asked me to speak in chapel uh, when I was graduating. And uh, that was quite an honor. And I preached on that chapter where Christ was talking about, I and the Father will manifest ourselves to you. I and the Father will manifest ourselves to you because you have the love for me. You love me. And if you love me, what will you do? You will obey me. You will obey me. Now, let me talk about that for a minute. By the way, what time did I start? Anybody? <laughs> okay, I'm good to go. Pastor Barrett just approved it. <laughs> it's quarter of 12. All right. Now, where were I? I was speaking on that chapter, and it was talking about when we love God, he'll manifest himself to us. He'll manifest himself to us. When you love me and you keep my commandments, we're in harmony with him. We can have true fellowship with him. And so that's why God says, speak tenderly. Now, I want to show you a verse in Isaiah later on in the chapter that ties into this. Isaiah chapter 40, down in verse 10. The Lord is coming. He's going, to res- he's going to bring his people out of captivity. He's going to comfort them. They're going to be back in Jerusalem. And he's, when he says in verse 10, he says, uh, he says, behold. And whenever you see the word behold, don't just go on. Everybody with me? Whenever you see the word behold, stop and digest. Prayerfully digest. Hit the pause button. He's actually says it twice. He says it at the end of verse 9. Behold your God. That's what this whole sermon is about. To me, that's the center point of the whole chapter in verse 9. Behold your God. But he says, Behold again, the Lord God will come with strong hand. So we have a mighty king, sovereign God, who is coming to bring his people out of exile. Now let me just say this. Babylon did not decide one day, well, we've had them long enough. Everybody with me? This was not a decision that Babylon made, and so now God's people are going to be brought out. But there wasn't a thing that the nation of Babylon could do to stop it. Amen? And Israel was helpless. That's why when he talks about that grass, all flesh is grass, they were helpless. They couldn't bring themselves out, and Babylon couldn't stop them from being brought out. That's the kind of God we worship. That's the kind of God who steps into humanity and accomplishes supernatural works of God and intervenes in the circumstances of our life to meet every need in our life. But he comes as a mighty king who cannot be stopped. That's in verse 10. But I want to get to verse 11 because of this tender, loving, compassionate, caring ministry of our God. Because perfect love, when you understand his perfect love, one of the greatest battles we have in life is with fear 
He talks about it right here when he says, get up on that mountain, shout it from the top of the mountain, and don't you have any fear whatsoever. Fear thou not, Isaiah 41.10, just one chapter later. Fear thou not, for I am, what does it say? I am with you. Be not down in the dumps. Don't be discouraged. Don't be downhearted. Don't be frustrated. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Be not dismayed, for I am, present tense, your God. I will help you. Amen. Part of our problem in life is we expect others to do for us what only God can do for us. But if you don't understand his perfect love for you, you may be doubting his care and his sufficiency to meet the needs in your life. Because what does perfect love do when you understand God's perfect love? It, what does it cast out? It casts out all fear. All fear. And you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm saying the same mighty King God here who, with great power and great authority, bringing his people out of exile, putting them back into the promised land and the whole city of Jerusalem becoming that city set on a hill again, that mighty God follows up in verse 11. And notice what it says. What will he do? The same mighty arm that brings them out of exile? It's like a father who takes his children's, he brings his children up into his arms. And he holds them as close as he can hold them. He said, I'm taking care of you. You don't have to worry about what's going on. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. you. You can know that your needs will be met. You're bringing that child up close and you're assuring that child. That child's got security because they know that dad's got some strong arms. But what's he doing with his strong arms? Bringing them as close as he can get to him. Isn't that wonderful? God wants us to draw close to him. He wants to uh, be in his arms of love. You know, every one of us has a story. I'm 69 years old. Any of you been with me all 69 years of my life? No. And nobody's been with you, whatever age you are. The only one that knows everything about you. Everything about you is God. That's one reason why you don't want to, don't, Listen, if you expect others to do for you only what God can do for you, you make them a prisoner. You make them a prisoner of your expectations. Pastor Barry's been preaching on this already. My soul, wait thou only upon God. Amen? I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. 
Notice that's vertical, right? Not horizontal. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Where does my help come from? I tell you, when it comes from the Lord, nobody can take it away from you. Nobody can take it away from you. You got to work out. Work out your own salvation. Amen. I didn't say work for, right? You got to work out your own salvation. And the reason I'm saying this is because God loves you personally. He loved me personally. He gave himself for me personally. And he customizes how he meets my needs. He customizes it. He knows my journey. He knows my history. He knows where I've come from. He's known every struggle I've ever had. He knows every problem I've ever had. He knows when I was at wit's end corner in some situations of my life. He knows where I've been down to the point where sometimes you get, that's why the last verse of Isaiah, you just get totally worn out, totally exhausted, totally spent. And what does it say in the end of Isaiah? They that wait upon the Lord, what will happen to them? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run. We're talking about spiritually running. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. We're talking about spiritual stamina. Spiritual strength. Spiritual encouragement. Spiritual hope. We're talking about in the innermost part of our being. Experiencing the rivers of living water. Like Jesus said to the woman at the well. Look if you drink of the water I have to give you. Guess what? You will never what? Never thirst again. So if you're not thirsting because God's meeting all your needs and you're finding your sufficiency in him, it frees you up in trying to please people. It frees you up. It frees you up from comparing yourself to other people And you start thinking, I wish I could be like them. Don't ever think that way. God broke the mold when he made you. He customized made us. When we was in our mother's womb, our aptitudes, our interests, our capacity, everything about us, it didn't just happen naturally, biologically. It happened supernaturally. Psalms 139. And even before that, and God told Jeremiah, before you were formed, before I formed you in your mother's womb, how far back do we go with God and how, what he wanted us to be like? He said, before I formed you in the mother's womb, I knew you. I'm telling you, God customizes his care for you. You say, Pastor, where are you getting this from? I'm getting it from right here. I haven't got to it yet. <laughs> All right, it's, look, look, look at verse 11. He shall feed. Now we're talking about a shepherd. We have a mighty king, but now we're talking about a shepherd. You know, there's certain sheep you have to treat differently than other sheep. 
Amen? Not all, you know, it's, it's got to be customized. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Now notice what he does. He gives customized care. I love the verse that Jesus gave when he said a smoking flax he would not put out and a bruised reed he would not break. There's so much wisdom in what the Lord is saying there. Because God knows if you're bruised in your soul, in your spirit. Amen. You guys ever hear that song years ago, see that funny little clown over there? That tells you how old I am. See him walking as you go by. He's laughing. See him laughing as you go by. They don't know he's dying. He's laughing on the outside, but he's dying on the inside. I'm telling you, God knows everything about you. I don't care what you appear to be outwardly to people. I don't care what impression you make on people. God knows what's really going on in your life. He knows if you're a bruised reed. He knows if you're barely keeping your head above uh, water spiritually. Amen. And he can minister to you. He can minister to you right where you are. You know, every one of us has to grow in faith. You know, somebody comes up to you and shares some wonderful thing that God taught them. Don't say, well, I saw that 40 years ago. <laughs> My land. That's a smoking flax. That's a bruised reed. Rejoice with them. Praise God with them. They're growing. They're seeing something. They're beholding the wonder of who God is. Give them some breathing space. Don't judge where you are compared to where they are because you're probably not as far as you think you are. I guarantee you. That's why I say the judgment seat of Christ, there are going to be a lot of surprises. A lot of surprises. Lots of surprises. Woo! It's fearful. 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 We're not what we appear to be many times. Because man can only look where? Man can only look on the outward appearance. But God sees your heart. He sees your struggle. He sees your need. He sees your pain. He sees your discomfort. And he says, would you come under my direction? Like an umbrella. Would you come under my direction? Would you come under my protection? Would you come under my provision? I can take care of you if you'll trust me, if you'll love me. I don't have time to get into it, but there's a whole section here about how Israel went to idols. They loved the things of the world, and no wonder they went into exile. They didn't go into exile because Babylon was so strong. Everybody with me? They went into exile because they had violated the holy word of God. And they weren't trusting God to be their protection. They weren't trusting God to be their provision. So forth and so on. That's why in the very first verse he says, Your iniquity has been 
pardoned. Amen. And it's only through Jesus Christ, the only way that's possible. If you read on in Isaiah, Isaiah 53 brings in the gospel of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. He had to be wounded. He had to suffer on the cross. He had to rise from the dead so that we could be saved from our own lack of love and obedience to God. But you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm saying God knows you better than you know yourself. Would you please go to him and talk with him? Talk with him. I was talking with him this morning for about two hours. Praying for you, praying for this service, praying for your families, praying for the teenagers of the church, the marriages of the church, the children of the church, the ladies, single ladies, the widow ladies. I was just going right through the congregation. And Lord, what do they need? What do they need? Those, uh, you know, older in years, what do they need? Those live streaming that I know are having major challenges in their life. Lord, what do they need from you? You're the God of all comfort. There's no situation anybody's got going. You can't bring comfort to it. Amen. And God knows what you need personally. He knows what you need individually. Believe him. Trust him. You don't have to be like somebody else. Just be yourself. Amen? Just be yourself. Now, I want to say, bring this to a close, unless you want me to keep going for another half hour. There's a, a poem, Corey Ten Boom, wrote some years ago. I want to close this with. Part of our situation in life is we want to understand God's purpose for the trial. We want, and you know, it's not a bad thing. Like, for instance, in the book of Psalms, David said, It is good for me. It's good for me to have this trial. It's good for me to be afflicted. What does it say in that psalm? God's word opens up. I see things in God's word I would have never seen before. I see things about who God is I wouldn't have understood before. It's good for me that I have been afflicted, right? But now here's another situation. You know, the king told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said, look, if you guys don't bow down, if you don't bow down, you're going in the furnace, well, now that's quite a trial right there. You talk about a fiery trial. We're not just talking about spiritual. We're talking about physical now. We're talking about spiritual and physical. You're going in the fiery furnace. What did they say? And this is very important. God does not always choose to bring us out of the trial. He's able to prevent any trial but he has reasons if we go into a trial. But what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? Our God is able. We know he's able. He can stop us from going in to this furnace, this fiery trial. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Oh, that's, that's, that's genuine love for God. That's genuine trust in God. 
That's gen genuine faith in God. And you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Well, we know all the wonderful things God did by them being in there and how God spared them. But what if we didn't have that information? What if we didn't have that account of all the powerful things God did when they came out of that fiery furnace? Listen, we don't always get the answer to the trials and the suffering in this life. You don't wait until you understand it to praise him. Amen. You don't wait until you understand it to thank him. He can be trusted fully, completely, and absolutely. So, I was thinking about tears and what the Bible says about tears. What's God going to do with those tears one day? They're going to wipe all those tears away. There's probably lots of wisdom and application and truth there. But I was thinking of it in terms of this final point. I believe one day, in eternity, we're going to see how perfect his love has been in every situation of our life. And the tears that need to be wiped away is why didn't I trust him? Why didn't I believe him? It's like I see it now. But you won't see it all until eternity. But we can trust him until we get there. Amen. We can trust him. And I want to say this about eternity. God's put eternity in men's hearts. I'm talking about every person in the world. And when we go to the things of the world and we're wrapped up in the things of the world, there's so many uh, scriptures I could bring out here. Every person in the world is without excuse at the judgment before God. One of the reasons why we're without excuse is because God's put eternity. Where does he put eternity? He's put it inside of us. We know there's an eternity. We can argue with our mind all day long. Some people believe you're annihilated when you die. It's, a, it's a, just an outright lie and deception coming from the powers of darkness. Because every person that's ever lived is going to live somewhere in eternity. Amen? So... There, there's, there's accountability with God, but there's also that comfort with God. Let me read this to you from um, Corey Ten Boom. My life is but a weaving. It's a tap, and the name of this poem is called The Tapestry. And on the one side of the tapestry, you've got a beautiful picture of whatever is being put together. But on the bottom side of it, you've got all the loose, frazzled Threads. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors that he weaveth steadily. Oftentimes he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper, the beauty of it, and I the underside. I'm looking at all the frazzled pieces 
Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. God gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Ooh. I'm glad when Tom Tarvin came along when I was 18 years old. He, he started out by asking me, do you know God's got a plan for your life? And I, I thought in my mind when he said that, I said, well, I got lots of plans for my life, but it's not working. Not working. It makes me think of this eternal plan that God has. Amen. And God certainly brought along in my life, in my journey, lots of unexpected, sometimes major, sometimes not so major, but in the midst of everything that God's ever allowed in my life, or in the midst of anything he's allowed in your life, I guarantee you he wants to manifest his glory through it. Amen? I guarantee you he's advancing his kingdom through it. I guarantee you he wants to reveal the power of the gospel life of Jesus Christ through it. For instance, when we as a church body dwell together in unity, if we got strife and division and arguments and fussing and fighting going on in the church and we say, look, we got good news. If you come to Jesus Christ, he, he can, you, you'll, be, you'll have peace, you'll have rest. You, so wait a minute, you guys can't even get along with yourselves. What kind of good news you got? I'm telling you, it's a miracle when any local church we don't produce the unity. We don't produce it. God's already accomplished it. Amen? We just maintain. We, we live in the reality of the unity and don't let pride and ego in the flesh grieve the Holy Spirit. Amen? Or quench the Holy Spirit. And when we dwell together in unity, listen, I'm, I'm closing right now with this last verse. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. For in that place, in that assembly, with those people, I will command my blessing. I'm telling you, it's powerful. And it's powerful for unbelievers to see that people can love each other the way God intended it to be. Because everywhere you look in the world, you don't see it going on. But it should be seen in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's dwell together in unity. Amen. Let's maintain the unity that God has given us.